Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. We are back and we are into our Being Normal series, and I am so excited to bring you one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Meredith Louis Pasco. Meredith and I have known each other since the first grade. Meredith is a nurse from a family of first responders, and she has so much to bring to the conversation. Today, she and I are going to be talking about how we be more normal in our interactions as friends. And so who better to bring on the show than my very best and longest friend? I'm so excited that you guys get to hear us chat today, and I hope that in the midst of our, you know, just having fun kind of chit chat that you get something meaningful and tangible out of this. I promise we are trying our best to load some real value into it. I also want to say before we dive too far in that the Beating the Breaking Point Resilience Training Program that I offer It's going to take some of the principles that we're talking about in this Being Normal series into far more depth and gives you a step-by-step plan for supporting resilience and our capacity to carve out some normal within the not normal of the work that you do. If you don't know a lot about the program, please go and check it out by clicking the link in the show notes. The Beating the Breaking Point Resilience Training Program was built based on my experience working with those on the front lines and seeing the gaps in your training that set you up for major blows to resilience and sustainability. And I packed it with everything that is most essential for you to know, along with access to a ton of tools to develop a personalized resilience action plan. It's super tangible, really practical, and very, very action focused. Those who have gone through the training have given really positive feedback and we've seen entire staffs complete the program in an effort to promote resilience and wellness broadly within organizations, which I love to see. Normally we price this program at $229 Canadian and right now we're offering a $100 off coupon for a few more days. It's accessible until 11.59 p.m. for those of you who like to wait until the very last minute on Thursday, March 10th. If you're ready to take your investment into your wellness and the vicarious wellness of those who care about you to the next level, I think you'll gain a ton from this program. I swear that I did my best to put the best stuff in it. 
Use the link in the show notes and use the code BTBP100OFF to snag this deal before it ends. Now, having said that, I want us to jump into this conversation with Meredith. All right. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Meredith, for joining me. It is so fun to get to do a show about friendship with my longest friend I have had in my lifetime. That's super fun. Um, And I'm so excited that we get to talk about this topic because I think it's going to be fun to discuss with you specifically because I've also watched you be just a really good friend to a lot of people. So I think that you probably have a lot of thoughts about how the work has changed, what friendship has looked like in your life. Um, And I think it's just going to be a really solid topic. I think you're going to have a lot to bring to it. So let's start with you sharing a little bit about yourself and the work you do and kind of what led you into the work. I know we've had you on the show before, but it was a long time ago. Um, so maybe give us a little bit of the Cole's notes version about you, other than the fact that I've known you since first grade. Okay. So fun fact is we've been together forever. I know, right? And <laughs> yep. Yep. Our friendship has worked through ebbs and flows themselves. So that's been beautiful. Um, what to know about me, I guess at home, I am married to Matt and he is in the Canadian Armed Forces. So that's him and I, both as first responders. And then I have three kids. Um, And then I work as a pediatric nurse um, for medically complex kids and working on transitioning them out of the hospital and back into... I used to say regular life, but now I don't know what regular life is. <laughs> Whatever so this just life like, is that we're doing. Yeah, transitioning them back out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so lots of big problems, lots of little problems, lots of different scenarios, just a whole barrage of lenses and angles to come at. Well, and your role is also kind of a a managerial supervisory kind of a role as well, right? Like you're not just doing the in-home kind of transition pieces, but also kind of overseeing aspects of the work that others are doing as well. Mm -hmm. So like an educator and then coming alongside my own staff and um, increasing professional capacity. Definitely, we all need that during this time, you know shining light in some dark places and helping them build bridges with these kids and then policies and change management and development and all those fun words that we throw around like they mean something management hey I have like (laughs) such a good project on the go right now and I am for sure seeing some change so that's good (laughs) that's awesome I'm glad to hear that there gets to be progress in places Well, and I think the other thing that's important for people to probably know about you is some of the background that brought you into the work that you do, because I think that that story is unique in some ways and not in others, but influences maybe some of how our topic goes today in terms of shaping what you think is normal in friendships and relationships. So why don't you tell us a bit about your background? So... I hope I'm catching the nuance here, but one thing that 
kind of, I think uniquely shapes me in regards to this would be the fact that I was raised by two first responders. So my dad was a paramedic for 40 years with the city of Calgary. And then my mom has worked as a nurse and my grandma has worked as a nurse. So some of the lingo, some of the hard stuff is dinner table conversation yeah um for me and then I guess like another shaping moment in kind of my trajectory and being around medicine and being around like instances like this would be having open heart surgery and Mm -hmm. be now I just got diabetes like it was a job so yeah you know just pile on a little bit of some illness management into your day and Totally. Well, mm-hmm. an exposure to those systems around what is supposed to be supporting, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's maybe not as effective as we wish it were. Right. For sure. I think the piece with your parents is a really important one for people to know about. Like, I know that I learned about catheterization while sitting at dinner at your house right. and was told about what you insert where and how. Right. Um, and I remember, like, Right. I remember mm-hmm. that every single one of the projects we ever made at your house was held together by medical tape because that was the only tape that lived oh in your house. God. It's so sturdy. Right? It is. It's very <laughs> effective at what it yeah. does. Way better than scotch tape. Uh, <laughs> so and so sturdy. easy to rip with your teeth. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it does probably um, shape some of what your perspective of what normal might have been even from the get-go and maybe showed up in friendships probably did if I think back on it it totally did in our friendship shaped some of like conversations that were normal for you but for others were like why are we talking about this right so it's good it's good to just know that piece I have aha moments is often (laughs) like that right this isn't normal I know Anyway, I have that a lot too. I think that everyone has versions of that. To some extent, I think everyone, as we reflect on our childhoods and look around and see that different people did it different than our families did, have some of that like, wait, what? Not everyone has whatever that thing was. Right. I was just going to tell a story that you can feel free to edit out or not, but Matt's favorite story to tell is the poop stick. The poop stick? The poop stick, where... Um, a friend came over to the house and yelled for a poop stick and everyone was like what the heck is a poop stick and the guy was like what do you mean you don't have a poop stick so in their house you need a stick to break up stool to have it pass through your toileting and plumbing right and that's just like a base expectation and you're actually the weird one for not knowing what a poop stick is so right on right (laughs) I mean, yes, these are the things. Okay, so let's talk about what your friendships were like before you started working and doing your education as a nurse. Like, what feels different about what friendship looked like way back then? So I think there's a lot of variables that could play into this answer, but one Mm -hmm. of the easiest things to think of and that comes to mind is just light mm-hmm. is just flows yeah. there isn't a lot of consideration that goes into how you interact 
Um, you have a good framework and baseline of your friendship with good communication. You know, mm-hmm. you have expectations of each other and it just happens organically. Mm-hmm. True story. Yeah. Well, and I think that we like, I mean, if we're thinking like early childhood throughout middle childhood, late childhood kinds of timelines for some of the friendships that we're thinking about way before the work, we're also like stuck together. Like we force people into a room together. You have this like shared lived experience that you're sharing half your day with these humans and you kind of have to find others who you share some commonalities with in the midst of it. And so you do find the people that um, you can kind of live that out alongside. And it's a little bit different, I think, as we grow up and we're in workplaces where we feel this like simultaneous need for people who are on our side but like a desire to distance from having too much closeness in the workplace because of all the like professionalism kinds of boundaried pieces, which it's a mixed bag. Like there's some pieces that are really good about that and some pieces that can be a bit of a trade-off about that. But for sure it feels easier to do friendships earlier in life, I think, because it feels like you have to, you're kind of forced into some amount of that together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and like in keeping with the subject matter, like it's almost like the baggage you bring to the table, which I know mm-hmm. is like negative, um, but it's the truth. It's just the reality of what you carry around in your bag in a day and what's happened. And that's no different yeah. like in a romantic relationship than in friendships. You know, mm-hmm. the longer you've lived, the more you've experienced, the more you've got under your belt, the more you bring to the yeah. table. Right. Totally. Kind of good, bad end otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair. So what do you think has changed in your friendships since being in the work? Um, coping. Yeah. Availability. Yeah. Expectations. Okay. Communication. So tell me more about some of those pieces. Like, I, they're solid words. What is, yeah, like, what does it look like to have different expectations now than then or different communication now than then? So, like, coping, as an example, um, I specifically talked to probably um, three other girls in, in a chat on a regular basis, just kind of of the day-to-day comings and goings. Mm -hmm. But I've had to establish like really big boundaries and communicate clearly. Like if it's been crazy at work Mm -hmm. and it's been hard, um, we all still come home and engage with our families and expectations with our kids and our health and other things and so it just keeps getting bumped back as not important not a priority how do you find the time what what's important what kind of relationships do we need and balancing those so totally that would be a big one Mm -hmm. especially during the dreaded sea covid times right like everyone's capacities changed in their day-to-day 
and trying to find the balance of seeing people or phoning people, keeping the world safe. Yeah. Just running out there and wanting to lick everything. Like, where do you fall? (laughs) (laughs) Just get it over with. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Yes. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot of extremes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and I I can appreciate that you're right. It's the shifts that happen kind of as a part of just life and additional commitments like families to go home to and whatever I think about how different I was as a friend when I was just newly married versus with kids versus with kids in a business that I run, right? Like all of those add a layer and a dimension that just make it more complicated I know in my life, one of the things I found to be really different um, about me in my friendships that has to do directly with the work that I do is that I listen for a living. um, And I, while I talk in sessions, obviously, I'm not talking about myself and in ways to receive anything from my clients. I'm talking to give to my clients, right? So I might share a story about my life, but it's for like illustrative purposes, educational purposes, um, connective purposes, but it's not so that I get something out of the interaction. So when I am done my day, I often feel like I have like so much that hasn't gotten to be said that is for me and for my benefit. And so I have had to learn some really specific ways of interacting with my friends, because if I don't front load conversations, um, I will tend to absorb a disproportionate amount of space kind of accidentally. And I kind of won't know that I'm doing it until I'm halfway through it. And then I feel kind of guilty and bad that I haven't yet asked them how they're doing, but I've like spilt my guts about where I'm at, right? Like the verbal diarrhea kind of scenario. So one of the skill sets I've learned is to kind of like enter an interaction on days where I know that it's feeling like that and front loading with like, I'm really sorry, but I need, I need our coffee time today to be like 78% about me. (laughs) And if that's not okay, can you give me a heads up? Like if you're not in a space where you can hear that or hold that or where you equally feel like you needed to have it be 78% about you, can you tell me now so that I can like regulate that in myself? Because otherwise I will just go off and you will not catch me again. We have a similar similar (laughs) kind of dynamic and we call it taking the cake. So when we talk to everyone in a day, we usually check Mm -hmm. in once a day and say, does anyone need the cake? Yeah. Someone just going to unload and be like, my dog's sick. My grandma's not well. Mm Kind of go through the run of the mill Mm -hmm. and know that they need to be heard and seen first. Yeah. And then balance each other's needs that way. But we've learned if we don't. I love that you know, see who needs the cake first, Mm -hmm. then uh, we bury things in conversation and we kind of skirt around things. And then as someone's leaving, they're just kind of like, oh yeah. And, and this happened. And you're like, what? That was the cake. (laughs) (laughs) You had the cake. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I love the language around that. I love that there's kind of like a common community language to name it. 
rather than it being this like weirdo thing that's done. I know that in a couple of really key relationships in my life, there's two friends in particular I can think of that I do this with regularly. And they do it with me too, where they'll be like, okay, so we're going on this walk. We'll do a couple of laps of this trail nearby and we'll open with like, oh my goodness. So it's going to be a me for a lap kind of a day. (laughs) You two can split the other lap, but I need Mm -hmm. one whole lap, right? Mm -hmm. And so just being able to like call out that need on the front end. And I think a little bit permission seek that the people who are with me are prepared to hold it instead of um, feeling kind of gypped by that, right? Like that they get a chance to say, actually, I need or whatever. Do you find that there's any other pieces like that have happened for you that kind of connected to the work you're doing? You've had to adjust how you do friendships now or be differently strategic about it? I have to be intentional and empathetic Mm-hmm. And I really try and work hard at this. Yeah. Um, to not feel self-important. Hmm. To not feel like talking someone off a ledge during a clinical meeting or writing out a palliative care plan for an infant mm-hmm. is more important and more valid than, you know, And a great example is my sister working at AGLC, which is the Gaming and Lottery Association in Alberta. Right. Yeah. And I said to her, this is so exciting for me. I will always take the cake because no one will have a bad day at the lottery. Mm. Like, well, what are you going to tell me about your bad day? Mm -hmm. Right. And then she called and said, I got the cake. And I said, how do you get the cake? (laughs) And she said, someone won $10 million and called and asked if... I would reimburse their mileage. They weren't willing to drive to pick it up. And I was like, you do get the cake. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Fighting with someone over the the tank of gas to pick up 10 mil. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, my goodness. So, like. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm like the – it's kind of that sense of like comparative suffering, right? Mm-hmm. That somehow because I dealt with suffering that seems so big today, that somehow discounts or lessens or reduces the meaning of your suffering because it seems right. piddly in comparison. And yet to that person, it feels so big and so real and significant because it is. Yep. But it can be hard when the context that you've seen is so vastly different. Uh-huh. How do you adjust for that? Like when you talk about being intentional about that, what does it look like? Being present. Okay. Like I I have to intentionally not spiral up and be like, how is this a problem for you? Like how in all of the day's problems is this where we're stuck? Mm -hmm. And then I like take a step back and I'm like, what were your day's problems? Yeah. Like what did that look like for you? Okay, this matters. This sucks. Mm -hmm. Let's chat. How can I support you? And then, you know, there's that empathetic connection and relation. And then we can kind of see and hear each other through it. Yeah. But it it involves with stopping and like being mindful and listening. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I find that piece because I for sure have that challenge as well. Um, Less in my friendships, interestingly. I find my friendships, I'm able to still carry a lot of my like empathy that I have at work or in other spaces with me. Um, I find I do this more with my husband where I have like had a suicidal client today and I've had, you know, early childhood trauma and I've dealt with, you know, all of these things that feel very big and significant and whatever. And then I go home and he'll be complaining about how Canada didn't do well in speed skating. And I just have difficulty caring about this as much as you want me to care about it. And yet it's very important to him that I care about it, even a minute amount relative to how much he cares about it. And I often find that I have to remind myself what it feels like to be discounted in that way. And the thing I think about, I don't know if your parents did this. Maybe they didn't. I don't remember them ever doing it when I was there and I lived at your house a lot. Uh, but my parents for sure did that thing where if you didn't finish your dinner, they pulled the, like they're starving children in Africa thing. And I always remembered hating that because I remember thinking like, we'll give this to them. Like, mm-hmm. I can't fix that. Like their suffering doesn't change just because I eat my dinner or don't eat my dinner. This is a stupid argument. And it's kind of the same idea. Like, when my husband's complaining about speed skating, I'm essentially saying, you know, there's starving children in Africa, there's childhood abuse victims in my office, there's suicidal clients waiting to jump off bridges. Don't you know that matters more? And he can know that it does matter more. He can also be upset about speed skating and that whether he is or isn't upset about speed skating doesn't change my suicidal client's life. Yeah. So it's kind of like reminding myself what it feels like to be the recipient of that kind of distancing from comparative suffering premises and then working it backwards for myself that like, if I don't like it, probably he doesn't like it. Probably I can try to do better at that. Who is the person, either Brene or Glennon, Mm -hmm. both and versus either or? Sure. And that it can be both. Yeah. It, like both are true. Both are true and both matter. Mhm. Which is like I should probably get a shirt <laughs> because that probably applies to parenting, friendship, mm-hmm. like work, all the things in life. Right. Like yeah. politics. Oh my gosh, with the world on fire. Oh, like can we not be let's... both and can we Let's not, be... not touch that kind of right today? Looking yeah. for all of the things. Can we not understand yes. this and this and this all at and the they same can time? Can both exist? Yeah, totally. I think I've done this for way too many clients. Um, but there is a, a TV show called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and it's a right. You know what I'm talking. You've got mm-hmm. little kids. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. In Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is a spinoff of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, obviously, it's cartoony and adorable. And there's an episode where Daniel Tiger wants to go on the Ferris wheel. And he's really excited to go on the Ferris wheel. He talks about it for days leading up to going on the Ferris wheel. And then he gets to the Ferris wheel and he looks up and he sees how high it is. And he's scared. And the whole little jingle that they sing, the little educational jingle that they sing is, you can feel two feelings at the same time. 
I feel like I've sung that <laughs> for so mm-hmm. many clients, which is hilarious in session because I'm not a very good singer. But, um, you know, it's this piece about like, we can have more than one experience simultaneously in our own bodies, let alone when we're talking about a group or a society or dot, dot, a dot. System. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So how do we like hold those tensions together and navigate interactions while trying to balance those tensions? Because it's sometimes difficult to do that. And yet really important that we validate that this is true and real and possible. Yeah. Cool. I love when we find agreement on things, Meredith. Right. <laughs> I'm curious what you've found to be most challenging in navigating friendships since working as a nurse. Most challenging. I think one of the things that I've found challenging is that um, I'm I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, I rely on connection and socialization. Um, I seek connection through multiple different avenues to hold me up and help balance me. Um, Mm -hmm. Church, sports, friendships. I used to have a very large social circle. Mm -hmm. I cannot maintain that. I cannot give give people, I can't water that much grass right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And so I think the hardest part for me with nursing and with current life, Mm -hmm. small kids, you know, diabetes, things like that. Um, There's been like an element of grief Mm. in not being able to show up to people the way I want to like that perfection paralysis. Like, Oh crap. I didn't call you back. I know I'm behind on an email. Like, yeah. Like spreading yourself thin and totally. having to come to terms with that. And then mm-hmm. when you have a smaller circle, um, if you only have three plants, you're really motivated to water them and keep them alive. Totally. Right? Yeah. It's also a little bit more doable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like different. Yeah. Totally. Just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be really different. And having known you across your almost entire lifespan, you're right. Like I've watched you go from having a really wide circle of people in your life to a life that does just have very different demands and priorities. And so it does make it differently challenging to maintain and support that network that you've built up Mm -hmm. until then. And I imagine that that will maybe shift again as your kids get older and as you maybe refine some amount of independence from their needs a little bit but that's I think part of it is like we can get really stuck on the idea that life is supposed to stay sort of static and it doesn't so when it feels like it's changing it can feel like that means bad when really it just means adapting and being open to the fact that we have to adapt and readapt and readapt so many times throughout the course of our lives because the demands change learning that and actually having that operationalize inside you Mm. is so incredibly difficult and is so, so freeing. (laughs) 
all at the same time. Right. Even this morning in visiting a client, Mm -hmm. a mama's struggling to feed her baby, Mm -hmm. um, which is hard. And, you know, you resonate Mm -hmm. with that as a person and how you're failing. And the reality is, like, something I said was, like, I'm here to teach this information to you today. But, you know, plot twist, your baby is at a stage where in six weeks, none of this is relevant and we need to do new things. We'll start solids. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, the desire to control and the desire to perfect and yeah. to navigate linearly and check your boxes and put everything mm-hmm. nicely in a row just doesn't always translate and that's okay yeah, totally yeah totally well and I think that's like this huge piece about having grace for ourselves and for the people in our lives right because just like we're navigating those ebbs and flows and adaptations so are the people in our sphere and so I know one of the things I found to be one of the more significant pieces that I've kind of changed in the last year or so probably is my life is adjusted to a stage where my kids can go without me for a couple of hours and, and my husband can manage that and I can leave more easily for little stints of time. And so routinizing interactions has been a really important piece. So like I have a fairly consistently biweekly rotation with these two friends where we go for walks together. Um, I set up a monthly Zoom date for me and my kids with my sister and her kids so that we get to have more interaction since they live far away. Like having kind of a scheduled, consistent thing feels more possible in my life right now. Um, And it also means that then I don't lose track of it. I don't end up going weeks and weeks and weeks where it all just gets sidelined and then I'm out of it. Um, But there have been weeks where we've like skipped things or kind of lost our biweekly pattern or whatever. Um, And some of that is because I failed to initiate the, hey, it's that time, should we, what time, whatever. But it's also that like, you know, one of them lost their dad recently and so was gone and that kind of interrupted that pattern. And we're like working on getting it back. And that's the piece is can we have grace for when it's us? Can we have grace for when it's them and their lives? And just know that we're working at finding something that feels meaningful and connective together when we can have it look kind of nice and mapped out. That's lovely. But when we can't, it's not that that's terrible, bad, awful. It's just that we have to adjust again. Yep. Yeah. It just doesn't go according to plan. It never does. And it's kind of that same thing with the baby. Like you think you get it figured out and then they hit a new stage. Like our lives do that all the time. Right. We think we've got it figured out and then it hits a new stage or there's a new like plot twist kink in the plan. Yep. And we got to readjust again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Another thing like that's been challenging and different for me is like what your friendship includes. Because mm. like, tell me more. I had a big friend circle that I used to dance with a lot. Yeah, right. And I know all the lyrics to every hip hop song because of you. Right, and like mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Is just I know <laughs> kitchen dance parties, right? But that's mm-hmm. not. Uh, what I have capacity for at 8 p.m. It's mm-hmm. not what I'm doing right now. 
Yeah. And I like lament and want <laughs> and like seek, like yes. pull out a spatula and I'm like, oh, right? I'm like, I wish I had friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would think I am just like Beyonce right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, those are solid laments. Yeah, but, like, as your friendships change and evolve and you add more of the other things that you carry, um, it makes sense that I don't have ten friends to dance with and instead I have four really close friends to exchange cake with and some really heavy stuff and hold space for some of their luggage in my storage and show up for them and they show up for me. Totally. Right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and some of the, like, again, things that maybe were once fulfilled by friends and still need fulfillment, we have to look at differently. Like, it used to be all of us at your house in your kitchen baking cookies and jamming. And now it's maybe you and your children. And it's not the same. And it's in some ways more fun in some ways less, but it's maybe still feeding pieces of that need, even if it's not the whole shebang. So true. Like this week there were 14 boys in my kitchen dancing. So like I was not (laughs) invited to the dance party. So like, so like it is still happening, but it's not mine. Yeah. I mean, I think it's this idea. I talk about this a lot with people, this idea of like close approximations That when we can't have a thing I used to have, whether that's because I used to do it with friends and it's less accessible by myself, or I used to love running, but then I hurt my ankle and I can't, or like whatever the thing is and whatever the reason is that we can't have it exactly the way it was most ideally, how do we identify the pieces of it that were the most important or significant about that thing? And then how do we find things that kind of come close to it right so they may not ever be as good as the original thing but if it even gives me like 10% of what that thing gave me that's 10% more than I'm getting otherwise Mm -hmm. right and 10% is better than zero Mm -hmm. so if it was me and my friends and it's this music and it's this dancing and it's in this way then what is it about that that was the best and how do you take those pieces? So if it's the music, how do you listen to the music regardless of whether you're dancing to it in the kitchen or with friends or not? Or if it's the ability to just move your body without caring that anyone's watching, how do you do that whether or not it's with friends? Or how do you find a class where you can do that with new friends? Or like whatever, but like how do you find the salient features and then maximize it. Right? My work is just really not loving me these days because I made them dance at the end of their work meeting on Wednesday. Yeah, you did. I right? love that you did that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. About 70% felt me on a kitchen dance yeah. party level. <laughs> and the and rest the other were 30% introverts. turned their camera off. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's fair. So in the midst of some of what you've been learning about friendships and adjusting and kind of finding yourself being different 
um, in how you approach them than you might have been at another time in your life. Like, what do you think the most significant learnings have been and what would you want other people to know about working toward building some normal in their lives when so much of their friendships become kind of characterized by the things that aren't normal because of the work that they do? You know, it sounds like just a buzzword and it sounds like the thing that you should say, but it's my truth and it's communicating. Hmm, So it's just communicating my limitations, communicating my needs, um, just really being open and honest with where I'm at, with what I'm looking to build capacity with, with whichever friendships I'm using, whether it's Mm -hmm. hanging out with first responders where we both have carried heavy things and have made the decision to not talk about them and debrief and instead bake, or whether it's like bombing, you know, my sister or someone else that really doesn't want to talk about how a family decides to let their loved ones pass away and mm-hmm. me saying, I really need this from you. Yeah. And can you support me? Yeah. And if you can't, great. We can yeah. work through. I know I need to look to plug that into a different outlet. Um, and the need hasn't gone away. Yeah. Like, I think you're identifying actually several things that are really important. And it starts with actually just having awareness of our own needs. Because before that, it's hard to do any of the communicating about them or or need meeting of them if we don't know what is living there to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some really cool pieces you've identified in terms of like, one, in some relationships, particularly ones that are work-related, being able to have moratoriums on talking about work right? Like being able to say like, I love you and this relationship matters to me. And if we just talk about work and nothing else, we share no relationship outside of that venue. And so can we just put a moratorium on talking about work for the next two hours and talk about any other parts of our lives and bake something delicious and eat it until we want to puke, right? Like, let's do that. That's, I think, a really great one. Um, I think another piece that you've identified is a piece about permission seeking from people when we go to dump on them, because the dumping we're doing is differently heavy than an accountant's dumping might look like, right? And so it is important that we make sure that the people in our lives have consented to what we're about to bombard them with, because it they may or may not feel in a space. And we can't know what people have had in their own lives that day, and if they're really prepared for what we're bringing. Um, And then I think another piece that you're kind of naming a little less directly, but I think is still valuable is this piece about knowing who has what skills in our lives. Like your sister is great at a lot of things. I've known her forever and a day. She's delightful. She may or may not have the skill to hold that piece at that time. Right. And I've often said to people, like, I have a friend who I would tell all my deepest, darkest secrets to but is not super fun to hang out with. I've got other friends who are super fun to hang out with, but I would not share my deepest, darkest secrets with, right? And like knowing who to go to for the need I have in the moment 
is super strategic, but again, starts with knowing my need and knowing what the people in my life are skilled at. Totally. It's so much nicer than when we're like haphazardly just throwing things at the walls and hoping something sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's where we find ourselves really disappointed by people. And like we're like I feel like I'm at the age where I need to guard my time when I have it. Yeah. And so if I have a friend that's 5% and if I have the one that's 25% and I only have X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. then – it's not like malicious or malintent or mm-hmm. it's just honestly survival some days. Truth. Right. I know I have this friend um, and she occasionally listens. So Nikki, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I have this friend uh, and I adore her so much. Um, how our friendship started was a bit weird. Uh, we volunteered on a team together um, for a project that our church ran And uh, Nikki had been on the team for quite some time and decided to leave the team just about a year or so into me having joined the team. So I had just gotten to know her a little bit. I knew that we were like kindred spirits, but I didn't really have a chance to bridge that from this venue where we're volunteering into like friendship outside of that. So when she announced she was leaving, I was like, oh, no, I'm never going to get to be friends with her. So I sent her this very awkward email that Ryan, my husband, read and was like, it's a little bit like you're asking her out on a very weird date where I (laughs) kind of laid it out and was like, here's the thing. I don't have a lot of people in my life that I feel like I connect with as well as I feel like I've connected with you. I feel really sad about the idea that I might not get to see you anymore. I recognize that's weird because we haven't known each other a super long time. Like it sounded like a very awkward, weird, can I date you email. Um, but we (laughs) met for coffee or lunch or something. And she was like, do you know what's amazing is I got your email and I feel felt totally the same way. We had this conversation about how we're both at stages in our lives where we are tired of having the people who we have to put all the work in for the friendship to happen. Like, I don't want to have to call you every time. I want to have you call me sometimes. I don't want to always be the one asking to hang out. I want you to ask to hang out. Mm-hmm. Right. I want this to be like mutual and reciprocal. And if you're not in a space where you can do that, then this isn't what I'm looking for. But if you are, and I feel like you are, then can we can we create something that feels meaningful here? And it has been one of the best friendships I have had in a very long time. Right. I feel like we need to just like be more honest with people and like front load the shit because it's not worth the time otherwise. Right. So true. Yeah. Okay. Are there any final thoughts that you want to offer before we end? I would just, you know, find your people, keep them close, protect your energy with them, be honest. And like, no matter who you are, you need somebody. Yeah. We're wired for it. Right? You need a small circle, a big circle, a person, something. Yeah. A plant. Totally. (laughs) totally (laughs) a plant well thank you so much for joining me today Mare and thank you for being my friend I love you to the ends of the earth and I'm so grateful that you agree to come on and do these silly things with me it's awesome literally anytime we have lots to noodle (laughs) on together so it's nice totally all right I'll talk to you soon okay have a good day take care guys 
Let me jump in and say one more really big thank you to Meredith for joining me today and making the time. I love that this is a platform where I get to share some of my favorite people with all of you because I happen to have lucked into some pretty fantastic connections with some pretty amazing people. I also would love to hear from you and I'd love to hear more from you about who you'd like to hear more from. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you to reach out and connect if you have any questions or feedback. I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. The Being Normal series came from you guys, from your suggestions, and I would love to hear more ideas and suggestions for topics or people that you would like to see us interview here on the show. Talk to me, give me a shout out on social media or by email. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, where you can follow me or tag me, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. I'm also really grateful that many of you are keen to share about Behind the Line and spread the word to others on the front lines. We have had so much fun on this end of things, watching listenership explode the last few months, and it is 100% because of you guys. So thank you so much for sharing with those you know. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts for our latest episodes, or subscribe to our email list to hear from me about all the exciting things we have going on and coming up. You'll find all the details you need in the show notes, along with links to our free Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide, which helps you to facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. We make all of these different pieces available to you because the work you do matters, but way more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, but also in your very real and meaningful life outside of the work and with the people that you care about most. So use it and share it. And until next time, friends, stay safe.